Welcome back, readers and romance seekers, to Hopelessly Romantic Behind the Page. I hope you had a great weekend of food, family, friends, and not shopping. <laughs> um, I have long avoided and certainly not been the type to run out to the stores as soon as the turkey hits leftover status. I've never saw the appeal because everything about giant crowds grabbing for things sets all of my alarms off, so no thank you. And none of those deals are deals anyway. We've, we figured that out. Um, but I certainly did have time to give thanks this week. I hope you did too. And something that I was thankful for was that I had a reason to yell about with last week's book. Ooh, yep. I'm just going to drag out my feelings for a little longer about Just One Touch. And y'all get to come with me for the ride. I mean, if you really want to. But that's fine if not, I guess. Anyway. But... Oh my god, where do I even start? I will point out something before I really get into it. Um, you probably heard my cat Hermes meowing at me. He he probably felt the emotional turmoil in my brain. And I was just over it to the point where like, I don't want to go back and re-record uh, re, re, re something because my cat was meowing me. So uh, thank you, Hermes. He's meowing at me right now, actually. Um, anyway, we're... I Okay, so we're going to really start. I try to ignore more about the story itself. Um, I've been trying to, like, you know, take out more of the, uh, I guess you could say it's like the rehashing. I don't want to do as much rehashing anymore. I, I, I don't want to focus as much as what ha what happened in the story and focus on, like, you know, plot points or just some of the way things are constructed and um, also just... I want to talk more about the impact of what it's having less than what is happening. Hi, Hermes. Yes, like like I said, um, that that was difficult for this story because there was a lot that went down. You know, first she's running from a cult, but not really because the cult sold her. So she's running from that mystery group. And then she's crossed paths with this guy from the security angel agency. She's had to heal him. And then she runs. She gets caught by the bad guys. They rescue her. And then her mom shows up to lay this trap and she gets caught again. And then she's rescued again. And it's just, it's just a lot. It's a mess. And my thoughts are still all over the place about everything. So I'm just going to go ahead and gripe about random stuff. First, that mom. <laughs> This actually genuinely pissed me off when it happened in the book. Jenna just happened to be scanning the television and she just happened to decide that the TV's fine. And she just happened to find that news story about her mother pleading about her missing child who just happened to know that it was the same cult that stole her daughter. It was so coincidental, like, of course, of course this is happening. I was surprised that the DNA came back, that it was her mom, but when they confirmed it, I knew one of two things was happening. Either A, mom is a pawn, or B, mom was in on it. Really, no matter how you sliced it, I saw the betrayal coming a mile away. It's, and it's such a lazy, it's so lazy, it's such a lazy choice, anything literally anything would have been better than that quote twist. I'm not calling it a twist because I saw it. It, it, I could see it. I knew it was going to happen. I could pinpoint how it was going to happen. 
what really, really bothered me was after an entire book of so much careful planning to make sure that Jenna has every protection, every paranoid safe house move, the dipshits at DSS did only the bare minimum of vetting before allowing a public meeting. So this woman's gone on to the news, right? She's begging about news for her daughter. The, 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 the cult had turned up all dead. She's like, oh my gosh, it's the same ones who killed my husband and stole my daughter. Uh-huh, sure, lady. Um, every news station would have been all over this. And then when the daughter comes forward, it's obviously going to be a big fucking deal. It's the highest level of exposure that they could have given Jenna. They might as well have just put her like a, a Christmas wrapping bow on her head and go, here you go, guys. She's right there. Congratulations. You, I can't believe no one thought that this would be a bad idea. Like they were so careful and cautious and they're like, yeah, sure. It's fine. Go see your mom. Cool. Guys, I was screaming. Okay, I was screaming for most of the book, but this, ooh, I hated this so much. I, I, I did have to keep a very close eye on my sound levels. I still do um, while I was recording because I knew that I was destined for Red Line City if I wasn't very careful. I think I've already tweaked over a couple times this one. Eddie, Eddie you want to know what I would have preferred to the mother's betrayal? I'd have preferred third act separation. Yeah, I would have preferred my least favorite trope because that would have been better than that. Okay, okay, so here here here's here here it is. Take out that middle capture, right? Where she decides that, you know, she's just gonna run from DSS because she doesn't want them risking their lives. Okay, whatever. Get rid take it out, get rid of it. It's gone. Take Jenna's resolve to leave DSS because she's just so in love with Isaac. She can't bear to put him in danger any longer. And then she runs near the end of the story. That's when she can get caught. Because the tools that they use to get her back, they're the same tools. We just get a rehash of what happened. It's just the same thing over again, except one had more guns. And of course, you know, the end is also different, obviously. You know, when Jenna's turned into judge, jury, and justice and shoots jesus i don't i don't even know where to start with that one speaking of jesus can we talk about the fact that he's coded hispanic and he's a murdering rapist drug lord i just i just wanted to point that i just wanted to lay that on the table for you and just let's look at it anyway but as to that double rescue i'm willing to bet that the author is under contract for a certain word count for the novels in this series because nothing else could explain it Nothing else could explain the word salad. Nothing else could explain these page-long paragraphs and the constant need for everyone and their fucking brother to espouse to Jenner how special she is and how they'll do anything for her. I hate it. I hate everything about it. It has to be, there has to have been a word count in the contract. Because if this was her choice, I don't know what I would do with that information. To the word salad thing, I mentioned, I, I made a reference to Emperor's New Groove, Poison for Cusco with uh, Kronk. The Poison for Cusco bit works because it's funny. It's an appropriate reaction from a character who is already hilarious and lovable. The dialogue in Just One Touch is supposed to make us feel 
so moved as to elicit powerful emotions of devotion and love and trust. Instead, I was beating my head against the wall because it was cliché, tired, and, in my opinion, poorly executed. I am willing to concede that I am only one opinion. What I've taken away from this book is probably very different from what other people take away from it. Maya, Maya Banks obviously has her fans, so I'm sure they ate it up. Uh, there might even be a lot of people who would tell me that I'm wrong for my opinion. I accept that. But it's times like these that I remind myself that I've got a very expensive piece of paper that tells me that I might actually just know what I am talking about. And this is the kind of book that actually gets me to look up the Goodreads score to make sure I am not insane. Good news, I'm not insane. Uh, the novel is still sitting at like a solid 3.5 stars, but a bunch of the top shown reviews, <laughs> they're either one star or DNF did not finish. So I feel a little justified. And it's not like Banks isn't a prolific writer. She has tons of books under her belt, so I'm really left to wonder what the hell happened here. You'd think she'd know what she's doing, right? It it reminds me of that time that I read Fairy Tale by Danielle Steele. Y'all might have heard me gripe about this book before, though only briefly. I picked it up because Danielle Steele is legendary. She has written nearly 200 books. I mean, it's incredible. It's awesome. I would have thought that she would have had a streamlined writing process, that she knew exactly how to write engaging and enchanting novels. But Fairy Tale was such a hot mess of an author forgetting what show don't tell was that I was dumbfounded. I get that readers might want the comfort of knowing exactly what was going on, but the constant point of view changes, even showing us how evil the evil people were, it was horrendous. Let me guess. Let me maybe figure out, oh, this guy is evil because of his actions, not because you're giving me like a one-way streamlined view into his brain. And of course, Unrelated, there was a subplot involving immigration for the evil stepmom and her, and her and her son, so that was wildly ignorant of what the immigration process is actually like that I nearly threw the book across the room several times. In short, it was garbage. And I hate to use such a strong word for any novel, but Just One Touch is also garbage. It came so very, very close to being the worst thing I have ever read, and I've read Fifty Shades of Grey, so it's that bad. I know, I know, I swore I would never bring up that travesty of a franchise ever again, but I have literally nothing else to compare this book to in terms of quality. That is how bad it is. So Maya Banks must be the kind of author, probably a lot like Danielle Steele, who can just drop off her manuscript and they just run it through a spell check and have a copy editor go over it and then just sends it straight to publishing. There is no other explanation. <sighs> okay, sorry. I, I want to talk about Jenna real quick, too. Um, I know I'm all over the place, but this this is essentially just complaining about the things that come to me. So it's a little chaotic, and there's plenty just to be bouncing around in my brain. Jenna's story confuses the absolute hell out of me. So her mother sold her to the cult, right? Her mom murdered her father, sold her to the cult. And Jenna could heal, like heal people. That's her power. That's what the cult kept her for. But she was only allowed to heal the elders. If anyone else was sick or injured, Jenna was forbidden from healing them. It is, of course, safe to assume that the elders are all old white men, of course, and they wanted to keep her under their control, their cult. They have to 
raise her to believe that she exists to do what they tell them to or what what they tell her to do one of the ways that she what that they controlled her what they did was is when she questioned why she wasn't allowed to heal anyone else just she she was only allowed to heal the elders remember she couldn't heal anyone else they they originally told her that she was a gift from god or like a vessel of god or what what the, whatever but when she started to question that choice to keep her from other people who needed her help their their move was to turn her into a pariah telling her that she was the devil's instrument just like the tv um how dare she question them so if she wanted to get back into their good graces to prove that she was the grace of god she had to do exactly what they told her to um I mean, the power of cults is keeping their people online. So if you don't know any better, then of course you're going to follow them and do what they do or what they tell you to do. And that was the other thing that I hated. Jenna would swing wildly from still being a product of the cult's brainwashing, very childlike in a lot of ways, but then she was also able to perfectly pick herself back up. The Jenna who was scared to ask if she could sleep in the bed was also the Jenna who insisted that she didn't have to take orders from everyone or anyone. And the same Jenna who was so devoted to helping and healing people is also the Jenna who coldly declared that she was justice and shot a man dead. We can't have her so naive that she's almost infantile because, <laughs> spoiler alert, that's gross. But we also can't have her so headstrong, otherwise she would quite rightly tell Isaac to fuck off with his obsessive bullshit. So we get this mess of born sexy yesterday and everything is terrible. I was I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and she told me that Jenna was basically trading one oppression for another. So, she is not wrong. I I have to leave this alone at some point. There is a sick, masochistic side of myself that wants me to find out if the rest of the series is like this, to read the other books, or at least so I can know who the hell who is who in the book. If Slow Burn though, meant anything the same thing that it did in this novel as the others, as in it doesn't mean a damn thing. I, I wanted to know about that too, but I'm liable to hurt myself, so I'm going to have to put it down. As for what Heather read this week, um, still nothing. <laughs> um, as I'm actually working on these points for this episode, uh, the last day of November was yesterday, which means that I wrapped up NaNoWriMo. Did I meet my goal of 50,000 words? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I'm very proud of myself. Uh, I'm actually closer to 60. I'm on the other side of that. Um, but I'll, I'll get to that. I, I want to brag because I am damn proud of myself. Because not only last week was I making sure I got my word count in. I was also spending the entire week preparing a massive Friendsgiving feast that we held on Saturday. I spent the week cleaning and cooking. Nothing went to my table that wasn't from scratch that I made. Uh, I'm very proud of myself and it was awesome. And I hit my 50k words on Sunday. So it bask in my gloriousness. My beloved technical advisor, he said, this is exactly the kind of thing that I would take you out to dinner for as a celebration, but we still have so much leftovers. <laughs> so I got to eat leftovers for my celebration NaNoWriMo meal. But hey, it's all good. He can make it up to me later. Um, 
No, the manuscript isn't done, not by a long shot. I'm still kind of working on the end of the novel. I'm wondering how I'll sew it up. I'm pretty certain that I just actually finished writing a scene that I'm 90% sure is going to come out. Um, But that it's not going to make the final draft, but that's fine. That it doesn't matter. So long as I get out what I have in my head once, once, and and then of course, sorry, my brain broken. Anyway, uh, I have, after I finish the last things, what's going to happen is I'm going to leave it alone for a month. That's the usual knowledge. It's like, don't look at it. You want to come back at it with fresh eyes and then I can work on my edits. I'll probably end up rewriting a fair bit of it. Because I'm a pantser, i.e. somebody who just kind of went in with minimal planning, I didn't know a lot about the book uh, or its characters or the plot until I really started writing it. Um, But now, or when I finally get it done, I'll be able to organize things. I will know my characters better. I will know who's who. I know what the story is. And I can organize stuff and I can make sure everything flows better and appropriately. My big problem right now is that I like my characters a lot. That um, it, I have two main characters, and I'm I'm not really ready to let them go yet. The story has to end, but I don't want to let them go. I can see a whole bunch of other things that I want them to be doing, and so I guess for the time being, I'm happy to let my characters run around, play, have fun, and then when we finished, I can use what works, take out what doesn't, and then maybe later post extras for my for for readers to read and enjoy if i so choose yes it is erotic romance of course it's paranormal urban fantasy i mean what else did you expect from me but at any rate hopefully soon i won't be just telling you that i'm writing a book i will be telling you that i wrote a book and you can all go read it until then i will catch you next time when we read his christmas guardian by cindy dees Thank you for joining me, readers and romance seekers, and I hope to see you once again for Hopelessly Romantic. If you like the show, please visit us at hopelesslyromanticpodcast.com. If you have questions or want to recommend a read, please email us at contact at hopelesslyromanticpodcast.com. The show is written and produced by me, Heather Songster. Our technical advisor is Kwang Yun Cho. Hopelessly Romantic is an HBK production, and it doesn't matter what you read, only that it's what you love.